Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok, and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Who is this fucking lunk anyway? He looks like a ball sack and a toupee. Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a weekly television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Chris Murphy. We're here to discuss the first episode of the final season of HBO's Succession. Monsters. Meet the fucking monsters. But before we break down that episode, let's return to the end of season three, where we left off with the great unification of the Roy children <laughs> against their father, Logan. How do we feel about killing dad? Next feelings? Pass me the fucking shotgun. Okay. Big episode in Italy after Logan pushes his own children sort of out of yeah. <laughs> the company via a back-channel deal with his ex-wife. I'm not sure it's been good for you, all of you know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you all. We're just walking on mom and dad fucking us. The Roy children have sort of banded together. His ex-wife and his daughter's now estranged husband, Tom? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. We yeah. can't forget. I might need you as my attack dog. Shiv's husband, Tom, also helped orchestrate the deal that saw Roman, Shiv, and Kendall sort of cut out of dealings at Waystar Royco. You bust them here, guns in hand, and now you find they've turned to fucking sausages. You talk about love. Meanwhile, older son, redhead stepchild-ish <laughs> Connor is getting in, married to his girlfriend, Willa, mm -hmm. with his eyes still on the White House. Okay. Let's quickly break down what happens in episode one of the final season, Boohoo, of Succession. <laughs> it's called The Munsters. It's Logan's birthday, and who's missing from the party? His children. I could get him to text a request for a call. Text 
I'm afraid we're going to need to hear that voice. Kendall, Roy, and Shiv get tipped off that Logan's birthday present to himself is buying the Pierce Media Empire and drop their startup plans to scramble together a rival bid. Different people saying different numbers, eight, nine. What's next? You know, so confusing. What comes after nine? Nine B? Which leads to one pissed off media mogul. Hi, hi. Okay, so I have your dad and he has a message. Congratulations on saying the biggest number, you fucking morons. Amid all that corporate intrigue, Tom and Shiv's marriage looks like it's coming to the end of the road. A whole lot of crying and bullshit is not going to help that. So if you're good, we can just walk away with our heads held high and say good luck, yeah? Well, okay. And Greg has a sexual encounter at Logan's party all caught on CCTV. You've accidentally made him a sex tape, Greg. Oh my God. I need to tell him. This show really knows Shiv, Kendall, and Roman so well. And I feel like, disagree with me if you want, but like, I feel like after the seismic events of the last scene of the season finale of season three, this is exactly where they would be. Oh, 100%. Still in a mansion, scheming away, but kind of like idiots. Like, yeah, like, kind of like idiots. And I think even the throwaway lines, like, you know, like, oh, Shiv, like, when we were in Dubai, you were so <laughs> yeah. on board. It's like, yeah. we're getting all this context, and that's exactly, of course they'd be able to go to Dubai, you know, after getting, like, pushed out of their own company. Of course they'd be sort of, like, scheming, you know, dreamer Kendall that he is would, you know, think that he has, like, the next hot idea rather than actually dealing with the wreckage of all their lives. Shiv's marriage is falling apart. Roman has, like, weird sexual stuff going on with Jerry. Kendall is a huge mess, and and rather than sort of deal with like any of the way more pressing issues, like personally in their own lives, they're like, oh, let's start a fake made up bullshit company right. that has no way of going anywhere. Right. And let's put all of our energy into that, which so, is so them. It fails 10 minutes it's, into the episode. Literally, I was about to yeah, say, it yeah. doesn't even ha- get to yeah. a lift off. It literally dies before our eyes, before yeah. the episode ends. Yeah. But it also sounded like the worst idea I've ever heard from the jump. And we're kicking off our discussion of this episode, this premiere episode with this, because I don't know about you. I've been in media a long time. It was so eerily familiar. Mm. But I thought this, maybe it's just because I'm biased as someone in media, this nailed it. I totally believe that these three Silver Spoon assholes <laughs> led by Kendall's bluster. Yes, definitely would led be by like, Kendall. This works, but you can tell that like Shiv at least is like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Shiv is yeah, yeah Shiv is the voice of reason of the three siblings, the three uh doofus siblings, but it was just so it's such a uh a perfect skewering of the media landscape where, you know, websites and things, they fold every day, they come and go, that the Roy children would think, oh, we're going to revitalize, we're going to reinvigorate the media landscape with just sort of like an impossible thing. I mean, the line, did you hear, it was sort of like in the background when Kendall was like, yeah, it's like the ethos of a nonprofit, but with the margins, (laughs) with crazy margins. Yeah, yeah, crazy margin potential or whatever. And I think that it's such a good (laughs) characterization of exactly this kind of heir, not heir to just a static fortune, but mm-hmm. to a business. A business. Unless they apprenticed in that business from like 15 on, which I think, I guess maybe Kendall is supposed to have, but like, how would they know what to do? But they're just throwing out buzzwords and they're yeah. like, well, our dad's media, so therefore so we are media. We, it's our birthright. We just, we just absolutely, right. we have to do it. And I mean, I mean, even Roman says, he says it's an exclusive members club for everybody. Like right. every yeah. analogy yeah. didn't make sense because right. these things can't exist. And it was so funny. I thought what, what was so 
instead of like making a good idea, they were so obsessed with the font. <laughs> they were focusing oh, on the layout yeah. of the website rather than interrogating, hmm, is this a viable idea? Does this have any legs? Could this ever exist? Do and, we know how to build this? Yes. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's all aesthetics first. They use the word disruption, which like should be a red flag to everyone at <laughs> yeah. this point. If anyone says that word to you seriously, run, they run know the what, other way. They don't know what they're talking about, or they're actually aiming to destroy an yeah. industry with no viable replacement for it. I'm looking your direction, right here. Um, <laughs> but I think that this show, when it gets its satire right, it really gets it right. The ironic and and I think very true to real world stuff pivot. Speaking of pivots, is that no, they abandoned this kind of dumb rich kid idea. And then they're like, oh, we're rich kids. Let's just buy this show's version of the New York Times. Yeah, let's yeah. just buy a real yeah. entity that has actually, right. Right. <laughs> you know, say and that is, you know, not, let's not build something from scratch. I will say it really did sort of like touch my heart how like Roman was like the only one who like kind of believed in the yeah. idea. Yeah. He like kind of was like excited to like do something with his It was very younger brother energy. He was like, yeah. he was excited to like do this venture with his siblings. Whereas Shiv, like one foot out the door all the time. That's how Shiv is. She's, you know, she's always looking around. And Kendall is just so blissfully <laughs> unself-aware that he was into the idea until another idea presented right. itself. Yeah, the next shiny thing, sh- sh- you know, the keys in front of him. Yeah, jingle, jingle. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that Roman, if these were real people, I could see Roman running a kind of fun, subversive media company. He could have run he could be Gawker. Ch- he could run Gawker. Or, you know, he could even be like a Jay Penske. Oh, yeah. Who runs like, he somehow owns Variety, THR, and Deadline. I don't know how that works. That seems like that should be or, real. And I think IndieWire. <laughs> Conflicts yeah. of interest, but yeah. okay, continue. But, you know, I could see Roman functioning like that. Shiv, you know, this episode does take careful time, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but like to talk about this impending election in this fictional America. She started the show as a political person, yeah. a political operative, and now maybe they're setting her up to end that way. So yeah, really, I think, yes, Roman was kind of the only one invested. But then this thing happens where they find out, I guess Shiv is still back-channeling with Tom. Yeah, Tom is still playing yeah. both sides. I really, yeah. I'm curious about that. He's you know, we talked a lot about Survivor and White Lotus, and unfortunately, I'm going to keep bringing it up on <laughs> it's this. It's still relevant. But, like, he's playing that really – on Australian Survivor right now, there is a player who's doing this, mm. where go to one little group and say, you're my final three. Go to the other, you're my final three. That's what Tom's doing. He's and doing so that. far in episode one, he seems to be okay. He seems to be, where it seems to be working for him. I think it's going to go well. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he tells them, your dad's going to buy – Pierce Media Group. And Pierce, uh, it, we met that family, I think, in season two, was Oh, it? yes. I yeah. think that's when we went to Cherry Jones' house. Yeah, PMG, they referred to the company as Cherry Jones leaves the group, Nan Pierce. They just want to divest. They're just kind of old wasps. They want to get yeah. rid of this. It's company. too much. Yeah. It's too much. And obviously, this would be the feather in Logan's cap, not just because I guess it's supposed to be a valuable asset, but because, like, here's crazy, hard-charging, conservative Logan mm-hmm. who can buy this world's equivalent of the New York Times yeah. and do whatever he wants. Yeah, and ostensibly run it into the ground. That's yeah. what they—that's what we think he would do. Yeah, it. sell the—you know, like liquidate it basically like a private equity firm would do and extract whatever resources they can and then destroy the thing's legacy. Yes. But that's too rich an opportunity for the kids not to swoop in and try to beat him at his own game. And beat him they do. They really yeah. do. And it's—I was like— <laughs> it's so hard to talk about this show because I don't want to be like I was so proud of Shiv, Robin, and <laughs> Kendall but mm-hmm. I was honestly like I was like rooting yeah. for them like they really needed a win after last season against their father and the way they just got fully blindsided and just like fully pushed out of Waystar Royco to have any sort of like arc this season 
we had to come out with a big win for the kids so that yeah. they were sort of on even playing field. Not even even, but like something akin to an even playing field with like Logan versus his kids. And so them pulling through and getting Pierce Media Group, like kind of a big sleigh. That's kind of a big sleigh. Yeah, it's contingent on a lot of things. Like what if... Um, go, um, Joe. Go, go, Joe. <laughs> what, yeah, what if another sale doesn't go through? But for now, things seem good for the kids, mm-hmm. which, you know... In a vacuum, in a moral vacuum, I was happy for them, and they I was seemed happy, happy and there was genuine affection passed between them, and, and that was sweet. And then as a unit, and that's yeah. what we got at the end of last season, which I think we don't want to overlook, is that they came together. The yeah. children came together and put their differences and all their bullshit aside and, like, united against their dad. And they're still a mostly united front, it seems, yeah. heading into the season, after the first episode, at least. And I- if you want to look at it as sensitively as possible... These kids grew up in a sort of an abusive household, Uh certainly emotionally abusive, if not more. And so, yes, there is a strength in a sort of, again, in a moral vacuum, (laughs) sweetness to them coming together. But on the flip side of that coin, we also have Logan. It's his birthday. We don't even know exactly how old he is, but we're guessing in his late 70s, 80s, early 80s. And I think that was an interesting sort of bookend to the way this show started. We yeah. have to start thinking about the beginning of the show and now the inevitable end of the show where, you know, he has a stroke and he's kind of laid low and everyone's like, oh, he's going to die, which is yeah. what kicks off this whole thing to begin with. He's not dead yet. He's having another birthday. But he is feeling a tingle yeah. of, or more than a tingle, of existential wonder and angst and like, what is this all for? Oh, 100%. And actually, the first episode, you know, as you just said, it began with his 80th birthday. So right. he's actually in his like, oh, early right. okay, yes. Okay. It was his yeah. 80th birthday yeah. party in the very first episode of the first season of Succession. So, so now, he's more mid-80s. He's like mid-80s. Yeah. So, I mean, he's dealing with his mortality. You know, he makes that request. He's like, I thought there, a cardinal was going to be at the party. Like, where's the card? You know, oh, right. yeah. where's the cardinal? Yeah, some weird religious streak still in him. Yeah. yeah. And he's talking about, you know, with his driver hitman, his Colin, best, his best pal. His best pal. Yeah. Which, about what happens next, what happens mm-hmm. after we die, um, which I do think we should keep some eyes on Logan, whether or not he gets through the end of the season. And it, But it does make sense that, like, you know, this is a man who literally has everything. There is nothing yeah. that he doesn't have. He has accomplished every single thing that he has set out to do completely. And yet, that might not be enough. It might not. Right. It might have all been for naught because, guess what? All of his kids are not at his birthday right. party. I mean, three of his kids are not at his birthday party. So do you think that that sort of... He leaves the party, goes to a diner with Colin, who is like all of a sudden his best friend, which is like so sad. So sad. Do you think that was really all stemming from his rift with his children? Yeah, I do think he's bored. I think he's yeah. bored of winning. He was bored of that party. <laughs> he hated. Right. He hated. You know, the you know the pretense of it and everyone applauding all these him. pigs like filling. You know, he was just like he he really had disdain for the party guests. Like, yes, yeah. complete disdain. He definitely has disdain for his kids too. But they're yeah. still his kids, yeah. and that's the thing that makes the show so interesting is that you can hate your family, you can backstab, you can knife in the back and in the front, which yeah. they've all done. At the end of the day, they're still your family. And if your kids are not at your 83rd, 84th birthday, that's got to... What do you have? What do you have? It's got to sting. And I think that, you know, they've become his sparring partners, his adversaries. (laughs) And he dealt a really near-fatal blow at the end of season three. Mm -hmm. But now they're bouncing back. And as the episode progresses, like, Logan seems to perk up. He's sort of woken up by this sudden challenge Mm -hmm. to this acquisition of PMG. So, like, in a weird way, his kids who think maybe they're trying to destroy him are kind of keeping him alive. Yeah, yeah. keeping him alive. Yeah. Like this is yeah. this is what he's living for. Still watching. We'll be back in just a moment.
We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I do have a question. This episode is called The Munsters, and yeah. Logan makes a couple of references to, like, uh, The Munsters. And, like, when I hear The Munsters, I think, like, oh, like, that's, like, Adam's family. But I know it's, like— It was, like, a knockoff of the Adam's okay. family. A lot crasser—I mean, crass for, you know, 1950s, 60s terms. But, like, just kind of, like, dumb monster jokes. And it was, like, an, just a family of monsters. A family of monsters. Okay. Yeah. And that's basically what Logan was referring to about his own— I mean, that's... his family, his world, too, I yeah. think, look at just kind of just like inanity, you know, kind of gruesome, ghoulish, but also, you know, but again, it was a weird reference. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like in Logan, the thing where he's speaking like, someone tell me a joke. No one tells jokes. Well, anymore. I... It's like, is he OK mentally? Like, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> well, again, I think it goes to show like the monsters of it all and then the existentialism and the mortality. I think he is profoundly unhappy. Yeah. I think he's yeah. like d- depressed and empty and bored. I mean, Marsha, where's Marsha? Marsha's gone. I'm actually afraid. She's in Milan shopping forever. <laughs> and if she's not in this season, I'm going to say I'm going to be upset because I, I, I ride for Marsha and I, I hope know. that that doesn't mean that she's just like gone forever. I know that Logan is with Carrie, his assistant. Yeah. That's very clear. We've, we've got that. But it feels like, and this is, it's not even cliche. I think it's just so interesting. It's like, the man who has everything ultimately has nothing. And he seems yeah. to be that right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, it's King Lear to an yeah. extent. Yes, I agree. I thought a couple seasons ago, it was like Marsha could emerge the victor at the end of this. So I, I, I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> but I would like to see her again. I did love the line, she's in Milan shopping forever. forever. <laughs> that was pretty good. Carrie emerged in, in an interesting way in this episode. Carrie playing mom. Yeah, yeah. Play, Carrie trying to bridge the gap yeah. getting, getting the kids to call Logan on his birthday. But also taking on a lot of the roughness of the way that the Roy speak to each other when, you know, Greg shows up with a date. We'll get to that. But like, <laughs> and she's being sort of curt and, you know, profane to him about it. So Carrie, mm. I, I've got my eye on her this season. I'm curious where that's going to go. Dark horse. Dark yeah. horse. But I'm also curious to hear what you think about this whole so, – so we've got two factions of the family warring over PMG mm-hmm. uh, with Nan and her daughter Naomi in the middle. That negotiation stuff for me, my hunch is that that's not how these things actually go. <laughs> but it was pretty exciting TV, right? Okay. I thought it was absolutely thrilling. And my hunch is that 
That is exactly oh, okay. how they all go. Right. Right. I thought it was so great. And at first, I do want to shout out Cherry Jones, who plays Nan Pierce, who is Amazing. an incredible, you know, delectable theater actress, Tony Award winner icon, is so incredible at playing Nan Pierce because her sort of, the performance of it. I think this episode had a lot of amazing sort of like bad acting. Mm-hmm. Like Shiv at the beginning being like, I'm like, like I wasn't, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? Who, what, what was yeah, I doing? Yeah, like, yeah. like lying. You can tell that she's lying. We're just talking about maybe talking or whatever she says. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that's clearly, she was clearly lying. And then Nan Pierce in the negotiation sort of pretending they're like, oh, I like, oh, this is so disgusting. I hate right. money. Eight, nine. What comes after nine? Like pretending that she's not deeply completely invested in getting the highest price for her company. And it's yeah. like, it's such a rich people thing to do to be like, oh, like ugh, money. I don't care about money. It's, oh, it's, I don't, it's, it's beneath me. And it's like, no, like you're lying. You literally, that's maybe all that you care about actually. And I will say not to get too political. I do think it's a little bit of a liberal thing to sort of be like, it's not about the money. It's just, I'm just, I'm just selling my family business. I don't care if it's eight billion, nine billion, or ten billion. Yeah, you care. You care. You There's care. a billion dollars on the oh, table. Of course you care. I think it's specifically, maybe more specifically, it's old money. Mm. It's waspy money. It's yeah, we have a huge spread on Martha's Vineyard, but we look at this old Volvo we drive. <laughs> you know, we're not sh- we're not that showy about running. Which is why I do have to ding the show a little bit. I don't buy, from what little we know of them, I don't quite buy the Pierce as having, like, a vineyard villa in California. Okay, well, is that but, supposed to be California? I wasn't sure if we were in Europe or California. Oh, do you think it was Europe? I thought it was maybe Europe. I thought it was maybe, oh, like, Italy. Oh, I thought they, like, flew up to Santa Barbara Napa or something like that. Okay, if it's okay, if it's Europe, then I buy that. <laughs> but, but it could easily yeah. be California. I couldn't decide if it was right. California or if it was Europe. Right. I just see the Pierce's as more... Natasha Richardson and Parent yes. Trap and less Dennis Quaid and Parent oh, Trap. That's, that that's a perfect, a perfect <laughs> yeah, analogy. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I think the characterization of both Nan and Naomi, the daughter, is pitch perfect. Oh. That like, yeah, these people are as like money hungry and ultimately ruthless as the Roys are. They just show it in a different way yes. and they kind of hide it behind like, oh, I just have a migraine. A migraine. And, oh, this is also disgusting, just... all this talk. But of course, she's just trying to get the kids to who are just all too eager to beat their dad to get the price up. Yeah. Um, and then they do. They and succeed. They do. Was that a good idea? So yeah. I know that we said it was a win for the Roy children. Emotionally, it was a win for the Roy children. to On take that on afternoon, at least. On that afternoon, at yeah. least. is Was that a good idea? Did they pay too much? Did they pay too much out of right. spite for their dad? That's a big question that I have. Well, Logan says, congrats on saying the highest number. That felt loaded because yeah. it's like maybe you don't want to say that. You don't want to just yeah. say the highest number. I even yeah. know that. And I've never negotiated for anything in yeah. my life. And you and I between us have about $10 billion in the bank. Of course. I don't know if I would spend that on the New York Times, to be honest. I like the New York Times sometimes. 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 <laughs> um, sometimes and they even, they even sort of mentioned that. They, they said the left is eating itself. That was yeah. a pretty very sly and very interesting and good allusion to sort of what's going on with the New York Times now. In and terms... Logan called them savages. And he Logan... said they're eating their own. They're savages. They're which savages. Which was really – it's like the owner of the – this show's version of Fox News is calling that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that will probably be, this is the inciting event of the season. Yeah. Is this sale a boondoggle for both or just the Roy kids? Or I mean, I'm hoping the Pierces will be more involved in the season. I mean, mostly because I want more Cherry Jones. Oh, yeah. But as a sort of kicking off point, like this company that is trying to lurch into the future by devouring an old institution, I think that's, and a rival institution, not necessarily financially rivalrous, but like ideologically. Ideolo- yeah, totally ideologically. That's, that's an interesting. And then you also have this impending election. Yes. I do want to say before 
we move on from the negotiation. I do think it's, again, the storytelling succession. The reason why it's like such an amazing show is like the details are so fantastic. Back to the 100. Yeah. You know, remember that like Shiv and Roman and Kendall had the money men just like waiting outside for them. Just yeah. like completely. And they're like, and Shiv even said like your bodyguards are being racist to them. They looked like they were maybe Middle Eastern or whatever. And they just like kept being like five minutes, five minutes. Like, you know, they were just chewing them away. And then boom, cut to the end Pierce. They're in the the money men. And they can't yeah. even see how the tables have turned. And now they're the exact people that they were being rude to not hours before. Yeah. It is just yeah. such a beautiful mirror about like how one day you're the content and one yeah. day you're the <laughs> yeah. you're the paycheck. Exactly. And my hunch would be knowing that the, the way that this show is written and no one stays riding high for too long, mm-hmm. that they have let their eagerness and bitterness about how their father treated them last season get the better of them. Mm. That this deal is a poison chalice in some way. Yeah. It can't be all, you know, roses. <laughs> what I want to know about. Yeah. At one point, Nan is talking, you know, in her sort of guarded way, like, well, you know, there's the stockholders, and but also the family's concerns, you know, so-and-so's divorce, and then Anne's disaster in Maine. What was the disaster in Maine? What could have possibly happened to Anna May? I mean, did she run over one of the bushes in Kennebunkport on her wood-sided motorboat? Like, boating does seem to be... A, <laughs> it's always boating. It's always... It's usually Something boating. Something happened on a fancy, like, wood-sided motorboat. Yes, definitely yeah. some sort of sailing, yeah. yachting accident. Someone, some son or grandson did something... Uh, sorry, I just watched Murdoch Murders, so I have that in my <laughs> so head. So did I. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, grim, grim. Um, but yeah, I just I love that that line, like, Anne's disaster in Maine, that'll never go explored. No. I don't think. No. But it's just, it just one of those great little pieces of texture that this show adds. I think that that the sharpness of the writing and the performing was maybe, for me anyway, no better evident than in a scene toward the end of the episode between Tom and Shiv, oh. where, you know, these two are technically on opposing sides at, in business and in life. <laughs> yeah. And... Yet they have this weary kind of nighttime. Tom's sleeping in some other downstairs room. Mm-hmm. She comes in. The dog doesn't recognize her. And they have this tired, sad conversation yeah. where sort of they decide to kind of dissolve the marriage, but then end up sleeping awkward yeah. or not sleeping, but like lying, <laughs> lying down awkwardly yeah, on the same holding bed. Holding hands. Holding hands. So this is it, huh? Hmm. Yeah. I guess. Gave it a go. Um, I thought that was pretty striking. I mean, I don't think these are good people just because they had a moment of weakness Mm. and connection. But, like, it was an important... I thought throughout this episode there were moments that were careful to remind us that these are, at the end of the day, flesh and blood people. Yeah. Who, like Roman says, should probably just be buying snowmobiles and sushi and enjoying themselves, and yet they can't. Yeah. What did you take from that sort of interlude with the Tom and Shiv? It's up for debate. Was their relationship real? How real was their relationship? Yeah. It always seemed like there was gameplay involved. But that also was, I think, part of the fun. That's part of the dynamic of their relationship. And for anything to end, it's, you know, is difficult. And you need to process that and to give that the weight that that final scene did of like, okay, something has irrevocably shifted and ended between these two people and one of them is wants to talk about it. Tom is wants to be like, can we talk about what happened? Which I think is such a legitimate way to go through life. And then Shiv is like, I actually don't need to, you know, has a completely right. different, you know, uh, approach being like, we know it's over. We, there's nothing to talk about. She just wants to kind of needle him about his new sexual exploits that the she's heard about. The disgusting brothers. The disgusting brothers with Tom and Greg. <laughs> 
Yeah, and yet that sort of guard drops eventually, and and they both sort of seem to give in. I mean, I think that whatever, however their relationship began, which happened before the show started, Mm -hmm. they probably did grow to feel something for one another. Maybe maybe it was imbalanced, you know, maybe Tom cared more than Shiv. Mm -hmm. But what I kind of detected from this scene was, in a very human, relatable sense, like, this was a constant and for better or worse, an ally mm-hmm. in all of this madness. And now we're kind of willingly dissolving that. Yeah. I think the more cynic brain, which I think you brought up before we started recording is, I mean, and Tom mentioned something about this to Logan kind <laughs> yeah. of in stuttering fashion. Hilariously, If he's legally not married to Shiv anymore, there is no formal bond between them. What is Tom's position at ATM? What use is he yeah. to Logan? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, God, another great line. If we're good, we're good, right? Okay, it's like that says absolutely everything and absolutely nothing, right. <laughs> which is classic Logan <laughs> yeah. fashion. Yeah. But Tom, I mean, and we see this over the course of the episode, to Logan, Tom is a way to get information about Shiv. He says, call your fucking wife. Right. <laughs> and in, without that link, and I think Tom even knows, hence the conversation that he has, is that like if he doesn't have that surefire, legally bound connection to Shiv— he could be out the door so fast, yeah. um, which might be why, I mean, cynically, it might be why he seems to be holding on more to their relationship in that final scene. But also, I'm going to take the emotional plea here and think that he loved Shiv maybe more so than she loved him. And he wanted to fight for it in a way. Yeah. I mean, Shiv can be exciting. And yeah. she's, in many words and all, an interesting person. Yes. Yeah. I think that Tom potentially, the wheels turning, being like, wait a second. If this marriage really ends, am I kind of going to get pushed out? Yeah. It's something we've seen in ways across all these seasons now is like these other characters who aren't Roy family. Yeah. Who probably serve some utility more than some of the Roy kids do to the company, but they get – they rise to the top and then they get pushed aside. I mean it's very much how things worked in Trump world. Mm -hmm. And who are the constants there? Ivanka. Yeah. You know, uh, Donald, D- Donald Jr. Jr. to some extent. Eric, you know, I don't okay, think I Donald don't... Trump even knows him <laughs> yeah. anymore. But like, and and you watch the kind of like frustration of these other characters and it's like, well, what, what about, what what keeps the Roy kids around? Because they're blood. They're blood. That's it. That's it. And the best that Tom can do to get into that is be married. I mean, look at Greg. I'm basically a sibling. Yeah. I'm a cousin. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I mean, I guess Logan still lets you in his house yeah. and kind of lets you bring a date. Well, but like, Let's. I mean, let's talk about that. This is where I. This is where my notes begin. Or like, my, <laughs> okay, yeah, right, this is yeah. where I have some slight quibbles, and maybe I'm being too harsh. But I. I have to ask you, Richard. Is Greg really that stupid? Today, this episode, he seemed exceptionally like straining credulity. Yeah. How stupid he was to be, to bring a date that wasn't vetted. Like that seemed crazy. Okay, that I could forgive. But like for him to have sex in Logan's house and not think that he had that whole place like cameraed up like that, and like maybe Tom was lying, but I don't think he was. I just think Greg was exceptionally doofy this episode to the point where I was like. It's a little hat on a hat for me. To be fair to Greg, they didn't have sex. They rummaged. <laughs> they were <laughs> rummaging. Rummaging, sorry. That's, yeah. That is so true. Uh, what a euphemism for, I think I get what that was a euphemism for, but I don't know. I think Logan <laughs> clarifies that yeah, he, uh, in one scene. He does. But yeah, I think that Succession is not the only show that could potentially suffer from this. But like, And I don't know actually what's going on in the writer's room, but... There is a trend, I think, on television when a show gets popular. It's like, are you paying a little too close attention to, to Twitter? Twitter. <laughs> are you looking at too many memes? <laughs> and like Greg, of course, has become one of those fan favorites. Nicholas Braun has become the toast of downtown Everybody social scene in New York. Raise, like, honey. <laughs> like, I just kind of wonder. Yeah. 
Greg is a character who I don't think we've seen evolve quite enough. Yeah. At the end of last season, when he makes this kind of sort of pact with Tom, mm-hmm. you're like, and I think Greg says, well, what good is a soul anyway? Or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see that evolution more evident, but instead we got this comic C plot line yeah. where he brought, like, Bowtie's a really a camera <laughs> date with her big <laughs> with suspicious her purse bag. <laughs> and her selfies. Yeah, I think you're right that that was a misstep in terms of, like, where everyone else has arrived at the start of a new and final season. Mm-hmm. It felt like we're getting more of the same Greg. Yeah, and I'm not gonna, I mean, let me be perfectly clear. Yeah. It was funny as hell. I was laughing. Yeah, no, it was, it was entertaining. It's just like... Very entertaining. Maybe there's a different angle to take with him. Now. Yes. And yeah. I feel like by this point, if we're four seasons in and he's been around this family for this long, I don't believe that he would be making those types of gaffes. He would know you don't bring a first-time app date to Logan's 80-something birthday, birthday party at his stuffy Upper East Side mansion. Like... No, no. I know. I get maybe he was trying to show off for her or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that was odd. But it it also kind of, it, yeah, it did go back to the thing where like ultimately Logan kind of liked it. <laughs> thought it was funny. <laughs> he thought it was or funny. At least to hear Greg tell it, mm-hmm. which could either be a sign of Logan's returning dementia or <laughs> a sign that like Greg might actually kind of be in the fold of the family the way he I mean, thinks he is. Greg, if Greg ends up on the Iron Throne at the end of this season. Well, that would be very much actually how Game of Thrones is. I know, in literally. Way, that would literally way. be the same. It would be the same. <laughs> but I do I do want to know what you think. Do you think his little girlfriend with her, you know, <laughs> peasant bag, as right. Tom said, is she an op? Like, should we be nervous about her or is she, like, gone? Or do we not care about her? Uh, too early to say. Too early to say. I think they gave her enough lines, enough of a kind of early sketch of a character where she could be someone. Mm. But whatever comes of her, this sounds horrible, but like when Tom slash the actor Matthew McFadden gets rolling on one of those, like Tom is such a country club (laughs) shithead about like, he just nails like a certain snobbery that is kind of a feat and gay. Yeah, no, it's literally kind of gay. (laughs) and, And I think that that's such an interesting little facet that Tom has a really nasty streak in him that usually is just him abusing Greg. Yes. But no, Tom has a really nasty worldview. Oh, 100%. That I think we kind of forget, oh, he's so hapless and dopey. And it's like, no, 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 he's in, he would be a horrible to you or I were we to be in his company. Such a striver, such an elitist, such a, such a snob. And, you know, and that is, makes sense for why he fell for shit. Yeah, yeah. I think I sometimes get Tom kind of personality-wise confused with another bumbling character, which is Connor. (laughs) (laughs) I see that. Who is back on the show. He wasn't in the the climactic scene at the end of last season where the kids are, I mean, basically learn of Tom's betrayal and and learn that they're being pushed out Mm -hmm. by, by their mother and by their father. But Connor's back talking about his election. He's running for president. Yeah. Right? And he's pulling at... Say it with me, 1%. 1%. But that could get squeezed (laughs) down to less than 1%. He's there with Willa, who at the end of last season agreed to marry him warily. Warily, yes. Definitely not with her whole heart. (laughs) And now she's worried Connor is talking about spending $100 million Mm -hmm. to keep that 1%. And she's like, but you'll still be rich after that? $100 million less rich. So there's an election coming up in the fictional world of this show. 
my question to you, Chris, is how political do you think we're going to get on this season? Is it really going to be a lot about this election? I think we're going to get pretty political. I mean, even just from the teaser trailer that dropped, we saw Justin Kirk is back. He plays Jared Menken. Menken, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Who is a... Son of Alan Menken, the composer. (laughs) No, no, I hope not. Oh, my God, I hope not. Um, But who is very much a sort of a Josh Hawley type of Republican, sort of like, you know, very insidious. Handsome, but... Evil. Evil. <laughs> evil and deadly. Like legitimately evil. And knows what he's doing. Yeah. And is like not, not hapless a, like Connor. Yeah. The opposite of Connor in yeah. many ways. Connor has no politics and therefore bad <laughs> politics. But Jared, what we saw in that one episode where he kind of had a weird bathroom encounter with Roman and, and is the Roy family choice to run for president. Yeah, he's these guys on Twitter who talk about like not really kidding about like how women should be back at home yep. and barefoot and pregnant and, you know, Gay people shouldn't exist. It shouldn't exist. You know, and I don't know that Josh Hawley himself, don't sue us, has said that. <laughs> but yeah, Hawley, that, Tom Cotton. Yes, it's that ethos. Ron DeSantis, were he at all handsome or charming, mm-hmm. you know, like he's scary. He's scary. And we know that he's coming back because we, we saw it in the trailer. And I think Jesse Armstrong, I think the succession writers are smart enough to realize, even though this feels crazy, it's 2023. We're in a lead up to, the, to an election. Yeah. I think they're plugged in to that. So I do think it's going to get quite political and we saw you know rumblings of that even with Shiv and I do think with Connor it's just like it's so it's so it is so I didn't even until we started talking I didn't even think for a second he could somehow end up being president you know yeah in our preview of it all is, in our preview episode I said that maybe Jesse Armstrong's worldview is such that like the show ends partly with Connor becoming president. <laughs> which, which yeah. you know, given how he's polling, seems impossible. But, like, who knows? I who mean, knows? Happen. But I will say that what I actually am kind of excited for was the conversation that Connor had with Willow where he was like, can we do something crazy for our wedding so that I don't have to spend $100 million and I can make it into the press? Can we have yeah. jetpacks? Can we have a rapper? Can we, like, that, like... That is so – that could make for one an incredible episode. And we know that they're – They love an get, event. They love an event. And they do get – we saw a snippet of them getting married in the teaser trailer okay. as well. And Willa, my girl Willa, my playwright Willa, my ride or die, yeah. her being like, I wanted – I quite wanted to have a nice wedding. And her having to be like, maybe that's not going to happen for her. I'm going to be on a jetpack by the Statue of Liberty <laughs> with, a, with a rapper. After we'll all – We'll get a rapper. <laughs> After all that she's been through, all the sacrifice, and this sounds crazy, I know, but in a vacuum, just go with me. She's made a lot of sacrifices to sure. be with Connor. She spent all her time in New Mexico with Connor. Yeah, with whatever. Connor, right? Yeah. And so the one thing that I think she was promised, that she thought she was promised, is I'm going to have a dank-ass, nice-ass wedding. And Beautiful that, photos in Vogue. Beautiful, gorgeous, expensive, elaborate, whatever she yeah. wanted, whatever she wanted. Yeah. And for that to now sort of maybe be off the table, that was one of the biggest, like, To become a CPAC moments. clown show. <laughs> That is actually was quite stunning to me, and that was perfect. Yeah. I am looking forward to that episode. That's very Chekhov's gun. You cannot have Connor talk about an insane wedding in episode one of your season and not then later toward the end show that wedding. It has to happen. It must be done. Yeah, but I think overall in terms of the show's political plot line, Logan mentioned, I have the president I want, and it's like, well— He didn't win yet, but but okay, you're assuming he will because you have control of a huge media company. (laughs) Obviously, Shiv is maybe going to work for Jimenez, Jimenez, the the opposition, we're assuming. Connor's in the mix. So, like, maybe the Pierce stuff, the PMG stuff, maybe that goes away sooner and then the election is really the grand statement that this final season's going to make. That sounds plausible. Yeah, because, I mean, it feels like 
the vibes from the final scene of the episode with Logan sort of just like watching ATN and then like calling up Sid and being like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Like, who is this not camera ready guy giving the news? It felt very Trumpian to me. It felt very Trump watching Fox News and, you yeah. know, calling Tucker Carlson. So like, even though that's not like specifically political, right. there is that sheen of like, oh, uh, this feels familiar. I don't like right. the way the story ended and I, <laughs> I'm right. getting flashbacks to an and, era. And the writers of the show have had time to digest that, you mm-hmm. know, like, I think it's really interesting to see at the end of the episode, Logan, we haven't really seen many of the family actually substantively interacting with the content of one of their biggest properties, oh, their yeah. news channel. And this was an example at the end of the first episode of the final season of Logan calling their head of programming, basically, mm-hmm. and saying, I'm watching, what is this? Suggesting maybe this is how the board king starts to feel, other than dealing with his rival kids or whatever. Yeah. This is how he starts to feel engaged again. Yes. Oh, he hadn't been paying attention to this property for a few years. Yeah. And then he's going to show up and start kicking things around and being like, this all needs to change. Okay. That is something that's happened in the real world. Yes. Like, all of a sudden, I care about this again. And to sort of stoke your theory, too, again, I keep going back to the trailer, but that's all that we have to go off of right now. There is a scene, it ends with, like, Logan on the floor of ATN and everybody cheering his name and, like, chanting his right. name. So I do think that, like, theory has a lot of credence. I think that's a really smart point you made. <laughs> well, thank you. We, tr- <laughs> we try to make smart points here. <laughs> Still watching. We'll be back in just a moment. The Run for Revoke is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowitz. Um, who should be the mayor of New York? We all support yeah, that. We support that. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink lover. room. All right, Asha, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K and a winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mao. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, chips on the table. Who do you think is going to come out of succession on top when it's all said and done? Well, I'll get to that. But first, I think that this is a long process. So I think <laughs> we should both say who we think is going to win eventually, uh-huh. but also who won each episode. Okay, right? that's fair. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, there are so many winners and losers yeah. to track. That actually does make sense. Yeah. It goes up and down so fast. But we will, you know, predict who we think ultimately win. And there are, is something at stake. I think because of this episode, there's actually something at sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <It's scary. laughs> um, whoever wins, whoever gets closest to right, I guess, in our predictions, the other will buy them a Sushi dinner. Sushi dinner. Not a snowmobile. Yes. I won the last time we did this. That's right. Let's just... A delicious Aperol Spritz, A delicious Aperol Spritz. Um, Okay. Well, I'll go first. I think the winner of this episode, and I think you might agree with me, is Shiv. Yeah. Because she and her brothers got the thing they wanted, but she was the kind of point person for that. She was the lead on that. And she took center stage, which is what she wants. Emotionally a loser, (laughs) you know, with Tom. I think think that was her... But, like, in terms of the grand scheme of power and who's on top, Shiv definitely came out... 
I would say Shiv, then Roman, then Kendall. The kids are on top. And, you know, Logan is kind of laterally. I don't think he's dropped. I mean, yes, he did lose this thing, but mm-hmm. he also got that last word where he's basically now making them scared, like, oh, did we screw up? Yeah. So that said, do I think Shiv is going to be the successor of all succession? I don't know. I did say in our preview episode that I think Connor is going to win the presidency. Yeah. So I think I have to, for this episode, I will stick with that. I think at the end of this series, mm-hmm. Connor of all people is the most victorious. Connor's all, okay. Wow, that's really, that is really sort of great. <laughs> that's so crazy <laughs> yeah. to consider. Okay, and I know, so in our preview episode, I know that I said Shiv is my girl and I do, I will always have love for my girl Shiv, but I'm actually going to pick another queen okay. who I think is going to come out on top. And I do think it might be a little Twitter brain. Maybe this is, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, flying high and fancy free, but I think Jerry, I think at the, when it's all said and done. Terrific, <laughs> yeah. Jay Smith Cameron will inherit the earth. Yeah. And I don't know if that means if that's within Waystar Roy Co. I don't know if that's, you know, her, you know, just getting a nice vacation. I do think I'm going to say I think Jerry yeah. is going to come out from all of this the least scathed and the most on top. We did see her in this episode say, hey, leave me out of this. Yeah, Not my, she my did. business. But she's still in the room. But she's still in the room. Yeah. She's still in so. the room. That might be a, <laughs> an alt choice. But yeah. uh, I'm Jerry Hive, I got to say. I think that's a good prediction. Uh, we'll stick with that until next week when we change it. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, we want to hear from you. Yes. Still watching pod at gmail.com. Who do you think won or lost an episode? Who do you think is going to win or lose the whole thing? Any theories, anything that yeah. we missed, anything that we didn't get to, please send it our way. We love to know things that we either messed up or that we just forgot or didn't even notice ourselves. And if any of you, Orono, Augusta, Portland, if any of you listeners in Maine know what <laughs> Anne's disaster was, <laughs> please. We need to, what, did she burn down an L.L. Bean outlet store? <laughs> in duck boots, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But we, we want to know. Stillwatchingpod at gmail.com and related, otherwise related predictions. We want to hear it. <laughs> This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer is Emily Elias, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Jake Loomis. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. We'll be back next week for episode two. Looking forward to seeing you then. What with Jamie's divorce and Anne's disaster in Maine... Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th.